This week in the Parish of Bourses and Market Structure, Nasdaq buys Verifin and the CFTC whitewash the Cushing crisis. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. The European Union's regulatory arm, ESMA, have offered naked protectionism and blatant idiocy. They're telling European banks they must trade derivatives inside the European Union after Brexit. Of course, that's completely going against the idea of, well, free trade, and indeed all the other agreements that they have in the world. Therefore, you can trade derivatives in old pangendrums of republics across the world, but not in London, because Brexit. Frankly, the European Union's naked idiocy of protectionism, an imperial stand in a very, very bad-tempered divorce where clearly the European Union is feeling the belittled spouse is a mess. In the medium term, expect to see serious financing pressure build in the European Union as banks face higher costs of funding, higher margins and much more else besides. This is not what the European Union can afford, nor the crumbling Eurozone as it heads into 2021 and a serious credit crunch, which is looming across a banking system on the continent of Europe that is already in huge problems across many nations, such as Italy. Problems which have lain unresolved for over a decade thanks to the vacillation of the European Union's failed political classes. This will not end well, so long as the European Union pursues its myopic post-Brexit policies as an attempt to punishment beat Britain. Elsewhere, the regulatory blob not having a particularly good week. The CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission in the USA, they have, well unfortunately we expected this all along, entirely whitewashed the Cushing crisis. The CFTC's process has been exposed as hideously inadequate, to put it mildly. Absolutely zero-buddy has had a good word to say about the regulator in my inbox since this announcement after what is perceived as a whitewash. Elsewhere, regulators' margin models have been ruled to be too lax, according to a BlackRock executive, Eileen Keeley, an MD specialising in clearinghouse risk management at BlackRock, argues that there are holes in the anti-pro-cyclicality rules. At the same time, in the New York Post, an excellent editorial. This soak-the-rich tax would destroy the economies of New York and New Jersey. That is, of course, the financial transaction tax proposed at the server level, which caused the governor of Texas, Mr. Abbott, to note the fact that the Stock Exchange Coalition visiting him with a view to relocating their servers and trading of Wall Street there were very impressed after a trip to the Texas governor's mansion. Elsewhere, speculation this week that while Deutsche Börse will own most of ISS, that's the shareholder proxy service, it won't control it. That at least according to the words its CEO made, ISS president and CEO Gary Ritelny. Frankly, dreams are free. What I perceived in the Zoom stream of the DB1 Investor Day was an entirely supplicant, if not outright fawning Mr. Ritelny towards his new boss Theodore Weimar. As noted in the previous week's podcast, and indeed in the pages of Exchange Invest itself every day, I don't think this ownership structure will work in the real-world conflict of interest front. And indeed, it gets worse, because now Deutsche Börse are backing the ISS in a lawsuit against the American SEC. 
That's all about reining in the influence of the likes of ISS and Glass-Lewis, who issue guidance to investors on everything from the executive pay to mergers and acquisitions. Having bought the business last week, Deutsche Börse has jumped in to suggest that it would like to support this action against the US authorities. I'm left wondering, has the institutional memory of DB1 forgotten the Iran Clearstream affair, which, as I recall, ultimately cost DB1 $150 million? Certainly, going head-to-head and arguing with US regulators strikes me as being, well, unnecessarily ambitious in terms of what might be perceived as aggression towards the regulator. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. In results, a couple of good pairs of results. The Tel Aviv Stock Exchange, they had solid single-figure growth, an increase of 9% of revenue on Q3. Meanwhile, while that was being driven by a huge jump in startup IPOs on the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange, down under the New Zealand Stock Exchange, their New Zealand Exchanges group, they reported actually very encouraging revenue and shareholder metrics for Q3, a remarkably resilient performance given the fact that they had the hacking nightmare recently, but overall they were helped by strong trading volumes, thus staying slightly ahead year on year in the third quarter. Deals, biggest deal of the week. NASDAQ is acquiring Verifin. It's on a mission to safeguard the financial system and its participants. $2.75 billion purchase, which is a huge deal. In fact, it's the biggest deal since NASDAQ acquired OMX Group all those years ago. What, gosh, 12 years ago. The $2.75 billion deal has some spin-off benefits as well. It gives a new footprint in relatively rural Canada, adding to an increasingly significant NASDAQ presence north of the border. That's the US border, I mean. However, the key to this deal is that everything is in perfect alignment, which of course places it in perfect contrast to, say, for example, last week's acquisition by DB1 of ISS. Verifin is a cloud-based SaaS business. It's got 2,000-plus financial institutions across North America using Verifin to help detect, investigate, and report money laundering and financial fraud. So it's a business NASDAQ wants to add to its portfolio and bears no conflict of interest, unlike DB1's flawed ISS purchase, as I noted before. Everybody, from NASDAQ the provider to NASDAQ the exchange operator, wants to see less financial fraud, and all the clients will feel confident that their desire for less nefarious financial activity fits perfectly with the NASDAQ position. Moreover, the headline numbers look stunningly impressive. Verifin has an ARR of 30% with a 98% client retention rate within a $13 billion addressable market. In other words, there's only a frictional loss of clientele on the current branding and strong growth, which I think can only be enhanced by having the NASDAQ brand on top of this. With Verifin already cloud-based, there is a greater plug-play element to the package, making it easier to integrate into existing NASDAQ offerings. 
That results in a sound deal which builds on the holistic vision of Adina Friedman in remaking NASDAQ. It also demonstrates how the world of exchanges is simply an opportunity nexus beyond comparison for those capable of thinking outside the box of only buying more order flow. I hope this deal works out well for NASDAQ. It certainly makes sense and further demonstrates the Adina Friedman tech pivot, which is renewing, expanding and enhancing NASDAQ as a business. Elsewhere, the Euronext EGM unanimously endorsed the Borsa Italiana purchase. When asked the question, do you like the idea of being given assets on the cheap by a rival so you can match their number of listings? It is a definitive zero shock that 99.99% of Euronex shareholders agreed. Elsewhere, the European Union have decided to delay their decision on the LSE acquisition of Refinitiv by another four days. That puts us back to January 21st. At which stage, I'm increasingly of the belief, the European Union will ask for a vast amount more from LSE to the point where even their management must consider placing the interests of the company ahead of their long-standing determination to buy Refinitiv at almost any cost. We shall see. In the meanwhile, the news is that the Borsa Italiana management are going to be stepping down at London Stock Exchange. Hardly surprising. Therefore, a fond farewell to the Borsa Italiana Group Chief Executive and Executive Director Raffaele Yerizalmi, along with LSEG's independent non-executive Italian Director Andrea Cerrone. They've agreed to step down from the LSEG PLC board with immediate effect. What I'm left wondering is, who else is going to be heading back from Paternoster Square to the Milanese mothership amongst LSE's Italian contingent? I wonder, who might stay in London? Bond News of the Week in the parish, 6, the Swiss Exchange Group, they've successfully completed placement of their inaugural benchmark Eurobond. The bonds bear an interest rate of, wait for it, 0% per annum. That implies a yield to maturity of minus 0.009% per annum. That issue was 4.2 times oversubscribed. Go figure. They're going to be listed on the 6's Spanish platform for debt, acquired via their BME acquisition earlier this year. New markets, one interesting new market, IATA. They're the international aviation transportation industry body. They've developed a carbon offset trading platform, the Aviation Carbon Exchange. It's been developed in association with commodities trader Expansive CBL Holdings. And it's a platform for airlines, airports, airline manufacturers to buy credits for projects that reduce carbon emissions. The platform is integrated with IATA's clearinghouse to manage payments and delivery of carbon credits. Meanwhile, whether you're enjoying the long Thanksgiving weekend or you're looking forward to Christmas or indeed Hanukkah, if you need some reading, don't forget, pick up a copy of my book, Victory or Death, the latest financial bestseller in the fintech theme from myself who wrote the original Capital Market Revolution, the world's first fintech bestseller back in 1999. Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Equally, don't forget to check out our live stream coming Tuesday, 1st of December. We've got the unique opinions of the international taxation author, comedian and Bitcoin buff, Dominic Frisbee. You can catch all the episodes, including the back issues, on YouTube at IPO-vid. Cryptoland this week, one interesting intervention, a German finance minister. He's saying he does not support the concept of private cryptocurrencies. 
In other words, missing the whole point of the crypto revolution, as outlined even in 1999, ahead of blockchain adoption for electronic money by one, well, this person speaking to you today, Patrick L. Young, in the book Capital Market Revolution. How odd that ultimately, no matter what technology you get, the Europeans always seem to think it's something that can only be used by government. Product news this week, copper. The futures price may have slipped on its debut, but ultimately China's new international copper futures are a huge boost to China's efforts to influence the global market as they take steps towards controlling or indeed further influencing the world copper pricing and pulling away some of the pricing power from the Hong Kong exchange's London Metals Exchange subsidiary. Elsewhere in China, there's been a zero-tolerance approach outbreak to bond issuers after a slew of default, according to Chinese regulators. While they're opening the bond market, which has, well, unseen consequences for the world in general, it has to be said the Chinese regulator's concept of zero tolerance is likely to mean a harder line than if this phrase were used by the relatively toothless Western regulators, methinks. Gosh, just imagine, what might have happened if the Chinese government had been in charge of the investigation into the Cushing crisis and the demise of West Texas Intermediate as a credible futures benchmark? Elsewhere, one interesting piece of information, the UK exchange Aquas, they acquired, as we know, the next exchange SME platform in London. They've signed up a series of brokers, Canaccord, Genuity, Liberum, Peel Hunt, Shore Capital, Stiffle and Winterflood Securities have already signed up to a plan which could see them collectively own up to a fifth of AQSE, that's the SME platform of Aquas Stock Exchange, in the course of the next three years, provided they do the right things, tick the right boxes, narrow the bid offer spread, and ultimately help revive and induce more trading in the UK's second SME stock market. Elsewhere, Germany's DAX, that's going to be expanded as benchmark index to 40 members from 30 in a major shakeup. Moving from 30 to 40 means a larger, more exciting index, or one might also argue 10 more possible frauds in the benchmark, depending on whether you're, well, an index half full or an index half empty kind of person. In technology, much ramification about the technology disaster, which amounts to being the Australian Stock Exchange's technology stack of which we discussed much last week. ASIC, the Australian regulator, are in and investigating. Will they also prove to be toothless in what has proven to be a remarkably toothless year for Western regulators? Even the Australian Central Bank has been raising concerns over the Stock Exchange's trading systems. Elsewhere, some more news about Aquas Exchange. They're leading an interesting AWS, that's Amazon Web Services, pilot with the Singapore Exchange, looking towards lifting more products into the cloud. In this case, it was a bond market for the Singapore Exchange, proving finally that you can actually manage to have an integration of technology in Australian markets, which works on its initial day. The National Stock Exchange of Australia have completed the integration of their TAS, Trade Acceptance Service, which is now working with the Australian Stock Exchange's antiquated Chess CSD. Speaking of the Chess CSD, which of course is due to finally upgrade to the digital asset technology system in 2023, that's going to be multiple years delayed, presuming it makes the 2023 deadline. The Hong Kong exchanges are going to introduce Synapse, a settlement acceleration platform, which is going to be deploying the same digital asset technology. Only here's the rub. Hong Kong exchanges are starting now, but they reckon it's going to be installed in 2022. So a year earlier than ASX will install their DAML system on current reckoning. And that leaves us to ponder one interesting issue over the course of this long Thanksgiving weekend, ladies and gentlemen. 
According to the Wall Street Journal, a recent SEC proposal notes gig workers could be paid partially in stock. Now, that leaves me thinking. If you have such stock, and then you work a wildly busy week of pizza delivery, for example, leading you to buy more stock from your moped on a well-earned momentary break, can that be insider dealing on non-public information? On that mysterious and magnificent bombshell note, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for listening to this, the latest issue number 73 of the Exchange Invest weekly podcast with myself, Patrick L. Young. Enjoy the rest of the Thanksgiving weekend if you're in the great United States of America. Wherever you are in the world, we'll be back next week with episode 74. Have a great week in markets. Thanks for listening. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.